Well, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what does. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Des Moines. Uh, my name is Pastor John. I'm the campus pastor here, and we are so glad that you are here. As Andy said, we believe it's no accident that you are here. And if you are new today, if this is your first time here, I am so glad that you're here. It's no accident that God brought you to this place today. As we saw uh, up on the video, the open there, some of you are like, what's going on? Are you trying to push a commercial on me or something? Well, isn't it interesting the lengths that these companies will go to get you to buy their sports drinks? Anybody like Gatorade, by the way? Maybe I'll give this free as a prize at the end. Well, I need it for the second service. I can't. Sorry. Um, got you all excited. The lengths that they will go to convince you that if you only buy their product and if you only drink this on a regular basis, you too can be a superhuman athlete. It's just that easy, right? But what I want you to focus on is the very last question on that screen, which was Gatorade's logo, for, uh, logo and the, kind of their, their slogan for a while. And it's a question, and it's, is it in you? Is it in you? And the question that that commercial ended with is the question that I want to start with this morning. Is it in you? Some of you are like, no, I haven't had a sports drink in a while. No, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. Is it in you, meaning the Holy Spirit? God's living, holy presence, is it in you? Have you experienced the fire? Have you experienced the lightning bolt of God's presence? Isn't it interesting how a sports drink can get us thinking about that? And the reason that I ask is because we are right at the tail end of a three-part sermon series about the Trinity. Get that, three parts, sermon series, Trinity. Some of you are just getting that now. Uh, it's the last week of that. We've talked about God the Father. We've talked about God the Son last week, Jesus Christ, and this week we're wrapping it up by talking about God the Holy Spirit. And we're basing this sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, which is this ancient um, saying that we do throughout the church, the glue that's held the church and all its different denominations and backgrounds together. What is it that we believe? And if you've missed the last couple weeks, this is a super important sermon series. I would encourage you, you may not know, Hope Des Moines has a podcast, and you can go back and listen to any sermon that's been done in this place since 2008 all the way till today. It's our launch anniversary. Isn't that exciting? We just made that word up this past week. Yeah, praise God. Absolutely. You bet. So this week, as we conclude with the Holy Spirit, I know that we have a lot of people here today from a lot of different church backgrounds. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I don't think we're all Lutheran in here. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I don't think we're all Lutheran. And that's very dangerous, and it's also very exciting. Uh, and I like that. Uh, everybody uh, is welcome here. But some of you, when I say, uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, some of you are like, holy, What? Now, that's some of what some of you are saying. You have no idea. Uh, others you may, maybe are a little bit more like me. Maybe you grew up in the church. You grew around, uh, up around the church. But certainly, the Holy Spirit has been something that's just in a creed, right? It's the third part of the creed. We say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church, and we just kind of go on and we rattle it off, and we never thought about what we were saying. It's just an article of the creed. Certainly, the Holy Spirit is nothing that, that you have actually could say, y'all, I've totally experienced that in my life. And then the third group of you, I'm guessing today, are maybe th sitting there thinking, Holy Spirit. The only interactions, the only conversations, experiences I've ever had with people that are talking about the Holy Spirit, they're just weird. And there's enough weird Christians around. We don't need more weird, wonky people running around. And I don't want to be a weird Christian, so I'm just going to avoid it. 
I get God the Father, I get God the Son, Jesus, I'm good with that, but this whole Holy Spirit thing, I don't get it. The problem is you can't just avoid it because it's God. You can pretend that he doesn't exist in the third person of the Trinity of the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about God. You can't avoid it forever. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, most Christians, I feel like, fall into two ditches. I don't know if you've ever driven along a road like this. Like, if you were driving on that road, you would not want to go into the ditch, right? You've all driven along some kind of road or highway or interstate that, that, the, that there's really not a ditch. There's, there's no way to, if you fall off, you're off, right? And here you're in the middle of the river, either side. And I think what Jesus is calling us to do when it comes to the Holy Spirit is take that middle road, the narrow road, that he talks about, to not veer to the right and not veer to the left, but to stay right down the middle. But I think we can go in two different ditches whenever we bring up the concept of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say ditch number one. Ditch, ditch number one is over here. I don't know, some of you may have grew up in a more traditional church setting where you, how, how many people grew up with robes and hymnals and organs and you did a lot of, lit yeah, quite a few of you. That's how I grew up, right? That's what we did. And I think one ditch that we like to do is that we just sort of avoid it. A lot of us that grew up in traditional church settings or in a, specifically in Lutheran settings, we don't exactly have a great track record of talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. Those of you that grew up in a traditional Lutheran church with robes and hymnals and the whole bit and stand up, sit down when you're supposed to, fight, 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 that whole thing, right? If you would have gone up and, and gone into a service and somebody stood up and said, we're going to be filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit today, <gasps> right? And a gasp came over the crowd. What did you just say, right? It'd almost be heresy. And that shows almost how far we've come. I'm not a blanket statement, but... Traditionally, the effect has been that because we've just sort of avoided it, that those of us that grew up in traditional church settings, especially as Lutherans, the effect is we are missing out on the third person of the Trinity and what God wants us to experience. So let me just call out what I believe are some common myths. And if, if, if these are true, if you've ever thought these about the Holy Spirit, be honest. Don't lie. You're in church. Just kind of nod along with me so I know that you're with me and I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke up here. So how many of you have maybe ever thought that the Holy Spirit's just weird? Let's get some nods. Old concept. Okay. How about creepy? Okay. Good. Um, how about the Holy Spirit's for those kind of Christians? You know, the super spiritual, kind of mystical Christians. Anybody ever think that? They're kind of the Holy Spirit uh, people, sort of the crazy ones. Maybe the Holy Spirit's magic. Anybody ever just thought, oh, it's just kind of magic. It's this magic potion dust that we throw around or pastors have. Like I have some in my pocket here this morning. I can just, no, that's Peter Pan. Don't, don't mess it up with that, right? Something maybe that, that has to do is in earlier versions of the Bible, depending on the translation, Holy Spirit was translated as Holy Ghost. I don't, what do you think of when you hear the word ghost, right? Horror movies, right? And who wants to associate that with God? So we get all kind of messed up and it sounds a little bit creepy. But here's the thing I want to challenge us with this morning. As with any other area of your walk with God, let's not let our past be an excuse for experiencing God in the present. Amen? Don't, don't just let your experience in the past, like, oh, I didn't grow up with that. That wasn't a part of my tradition. It's God. And he wants you to experience him in his fullness. Because here's what I found. 
No matter what it is in life, and a lot of times with things that we don't understand about God or the Bible, whatever it is, here's what we do when we don't understand something. We either label, label it as weird and irrelevant, or we fear it. When you, when you come across something you don't understand, ah, it's, it's, it's not really an important part of my faith. <laughs> or it's an unknown, so we fear it, and we never venture into it. And I don't think we're called to do either. Jesus says, take the middle road. And so we have these ditches. We're not called to do either. We're called to come back to the center. So we have the ditch that is just sort of weird and irrelevant, and I don't want to deal with it. But there's another ditch as well over here. Everybody say ditch number two. And we don't want to go to this side either. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can be modern-day Pharisees. Modern-day Pharisees. During the time of Jesus, these Pharisees were people that, that thought they were very religious, but it turns out that they could not have been farther from God's heart. And a lot of what these Pharisees started to do is they would make these rules and regulations and these traditions about what it means to follow God, to believe in God, and they would put those on other people and say, this is what it means. Yeah, it's, you know, you need to believe in God and, and do these rules, but we're going to add on some of these human traditions and these human rules as well. And that's what it really means to follow God. And then they would do that afterwards. It's Jesus plus all these other things that you need to do to be good enough. And they started to impose them on other people about what it meant to obey God. The problem was with a lot of those things, God never said it. They just made it up. Oh, this sounds good to kind of prop ourselves up. And when we start to put limitations on things that God never put limitations on, it's called legalism. And some of you have experienced that, and some of you are, are burned by the church, other churches, because that's been your experience. And depending on what denomination you grew up in, we can become legalistic with the Holy Spirit, can't we? Think about it this way. So some, depending on your background, you may be here this morning, and you think, well, if we don't worship in a specific kind of way, if we don't sing in a certain kind of way, if we don't have a, a pray in a certain kind of way, you don't say the right things, if you don't pray for a certain length of time, if we don't do Bible study in a certain way, even uh, churches should be a certain size. And when churches get too big, well, then I don't know. I don't know if God's there or not. It's getting too big. You know, we have to worship in a certain way. And if the pastor gives a sermon, well, you have to do an altar call or it's not biblical. The problem is there's no altar calls in the Bible. I mean, the Holy Spirit's working and he draws people to himself. But I, last time I checked, I don't see that. Oh, you have to pray. If you're going to accept Jesus into your heart, you have to pray the sinner's prayer. The problem is the Bible never says accept Jesus into your heart, and the Bible doesn't have the sinner's prayer in it. I hate to break it to you, but we can get really, really legalistic when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, I'm not against any of those things. I'm not against altar calls. I'm not against any other denomination. I'm not against you jumping up and down and bouncing around and dancing in the aisles. That would be fun. Uh, it's not traditionally what we do as Lutherans, but that's fine. But here's the thing. When we say that those things are more important than what's going on in here, that's when it becomes an issue. Here's the question. Do we believe that the Holy Spirit is big enough to reach people in a variety of ways, not just the way that you've experienced him. God's big enough for that. Folks, 
we worship in an elementary school gym. Okay? Just want to remind you of that, right? God has the habit of showing up in some pretty unique places, like mangers, right? Like he was born in a feeding trough, right? God can show up in some pretty unique ways, a burning bush, an elementary school, right? We are, we are renovating a former used car dealership is where we're going to worship, right? Some of you are going to sit where cars had their oil changed, right? I have done a Bible study in the produce aisle at Dolls, okay? God can show up in a lot of different places, right? If you've got your Bibles, open to John chapter 3. I want to point something out for us this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Speaking of the Holy Spirit and, and, and what it likes to do, this is a story of one of those Pharisees, and his name is Nicodemus. And he's going down this second ditch. He's starting to get a little legalistic with how we experience God. Well, this is the way it's always been. You know what the most dangerous sentence is in any church? This is the way we've always done it. You know what I think God does when we say things like that? He doesn't laugh at us. He just kind of laughs with us and goes, <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. God says, My, the Holy Spirit, you, you can't control it. And that's what Nicodemus learned. So we're in John chapter 3. And I want you to skip ahead to verse 8. Nicodemus is asking Jesus, so how can I be saved? How can I go to heaven someday? How can I experience eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus says it in verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Just as the wind blows however it wants, Jesus says, so it is with the Holy Spirit. Let's just read that, that, that line together up on the screen. Let's just read this together. The wind blows where it wants. Read it one more time. I know it gets a little warm in here sometimes, so I think I got enough slack. Is anybody a little warm this morning? I just wanted to help you out a little bit. Just, oh, I don't want to turn it down. Oh, no. Highest setting. There we go. Everybody just go, ooh, ah, that feels good. All right, I'm just going to keep spreading that around. Say that together one more time. The wind blows wherever it wants. Can you feel that back there? I'm, I need a bigger fan. You can feel it? Good. I'll just stand like this. Anybody want to finish the sermon? I'll just stand. I'm just kidding, right? The wind blows wherever it wants. I'm going to keep that going for a second. All right. So if you want to be like Nicodemus and you want to control how God works, if I could just have a volunteer. Can I have a volunteer? Anybody want to volunteer? What am I volunteering? No, I'm just kidding. If you want to, here's your task. I'd love for you to just go and, and gather up all that wind that I just kind of let go out there, that, that the fan. If you could just gather all that wind up and bring, I've got a box that you could put that wind in and just seal it up in a nice tight. Could you do that for me? Anybody want to volunteer for that? Why not? You can't do it. Why not? Why can't you do it? The wind blows wherever it wants. You can't. Contain it. Tell, where, where, where's the wind right now? Here? Is it here? It's out there? It's everywhere, right? You can't contain it, and that's what Nicodemus is struggling with. And that's what we do to the Holy Spirit sometimes. Jesus says, don't try 
to, 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 to say, well, this, this is what it looks like. This is where it is. This is how only God works. Folks, we don't need a bunch of Holy Spirit police running around. We need a bunch of people that are way too busy being filled by the Holy Spirit and sharing God's love with the world around us that they don't have time to be Holy Spirit police. Amen? So in one ditch, we say, well, it's irrelevant and it's weird and I'm going to ignore it. And in the other ditch, we can get legalistic with it. And Jesus says, go right down the middle. And what is that middle road called? I want to give you a phrase to remember this morning. Naturally supernatural. Everybody say naturally. I'll say supernatural. Naturally supernatural. And what do we mean by that? What would it look like is if instead of that ditch or this ditch, what it would it look like if we were people that were so filled up with the Holy Spirit, believing that we can experience that exact same power that it talks about in God's word, and experience the same miracles, experience the same healing, that we have the same courage to boldly share our faith that we see in the New Testament. What the, all these things that the world doesn't have an answer for, they're not natural, so they're supernatural. If we were the kind of people that God could work through to accomplish supernatural things, and yet the way that we do it is completely normal and authentic. Naturally supernatural. That instead of being some wackos or weirdos and doing all these things that offend people and get in each other people's way, what if we were supernatural people, but we did it with so much love? So much love that it's just a natural outflow of who we are that people would look at us as spirit-filled people and not say, weirdos, that they would say, they are the most authentic person I've ever met. When's the last time you met somebody that was filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit and you said, oh, that's just totally real. They're the, they're the realest person I know. They're so authentic, naturally supernatural. They're so genuine. And yet God does things through them that I can't explain. Everybody say naturally. Everybody say supernatural. In our early years of Hope Des Moines, kind of getting a little bit nostalgic today with our launch anniversary. In the early days, there was a guy that I met, and his name was Chris. I'm not talking about any of you. He's, he's uh, since moved away, but he was a big part of Hope Des Moines growing up. And his name was Chris. And Chris grew up in church uh, like a lot of us did, but he, he never really knew a lot about the Holy Spirit. And like a lot of you, he's probably just thinking, I need, I need to grow more in my faith. And so he started to come to Hope Des Moines. He started to get connected. But I know some of you struggle with this. You come, and it's easy to just sort of go through the motions, and Chris would come every week and he would stand while well, we were flipped. So he would stand right over there. We used to have the stage over here. And I remember just looking back and, and during worship, I would just look at him sometimes and I would just pray for him. Like I pray for all of you that worship would not be dry for you. They wouldn't just be going through the motions. And I'd watch Chris and he'd just kind of do one of these things. You know, and if you don't know the words, you just kind of mouth watermelon, watermelon. You know, and just he didn't want people to know that it was here, but it wasn't really here. It wasn't really real for him yet. And then what happened is he started to get connected with some other guys. And some other guys approached him, and, and they came up to him, and they befriended him, and he got in one of our men's groups. And I remember him telling me this story. About six months later, they were in the end of one of their men's Bible studies in, in their life group, one of the ones we have here. And some guys prayed for him that Thursday night, that the Holy Spirit would fill him up in a way that he'd never experienced before. And I remember the night and day difference of when he came to worship that Sunday. 
And I saw him, and he was in the exact same spot. And his hands were raised, and he was weeping. The worship band wasn't any better <laughs> than they were the week before. We have an awesome worship band, don't we? Praise God for them. Absolutely. But it's, it's not like, you know, a professional rock band came in, and it was amazing. It was nothing out here for Chris. It was here. Something had changed. And he was weeping, and his hands were in the air. And I came up to him afterwards. I said, hey, Chris, what's going on? What, what changed in you? And he told me the story about those guys praying for him. And this is what he said. John, I think I just experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And get this. I've never felt more normal in my life. I've never felt more like me. How opposite is that of the typical stereotypes that we place on people that are spirit-filled? He said, I have never felt more normal. I have never felt more authentic and real and me, and I've never felt more free. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden, you are living for an audience of one. And I don't really care what people think around me. Because it's not really about that. Who are you here to please on Sunday morning? Other than the one that created you. I've never felt more like me. Naturally supernatural. And that is my prayer for every single one of us. So some of you are thinking, okay, great. That's what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to experience that. But what is the Holy Spirit, right? Is it just a fan? Is it some air? Is it magic, happy feelings? What is it? Grab your Bibles, and we're going to go on through a little jet tour through Scripture. And we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to go to Revelation. Got time? Good. So do I. All right. Genesis chapter 1. We'll take a few breaks. Genesis chapter 1. Open up there together. It's in the beginning, a very good place to start. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then let's read this last part together up on the screen. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Meaning the Holy Spirit was not something that showed up in 1973. I'm sorry for those of you that were a part of the Jesus movement. The Holy Spirit was around a little bit before then. It was there from the beginning. And we read in John 1 that the Son, the Word, was with God in the beginning. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present at creation, standing in front of this blank canvas going, let's create a masterpiece. Can you imagine the creativity bubbling up from God, the one who created creativity? Right? So the Holy Spirit, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a ghost. It's not a magical being. It's not poof, fairy dust. It's a person. It's not a mystical experience. Secondly, I know it's hard to believe, but it was there at creation. And here we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, waiting to create something new. And that hasn't changed. Sometimes when I preach, I just look out and I imagine the Spirit of God hovering over us here at Hubble, <coughs> waiting to create something new in your hearts, just like it did millions and millions of years ago. Now, some will say, okay, John, that's great. You know, we, we see the, the Holy Spirit there, but it's just kind of a, a New Testament thing, right? It kind of came in the church and Pentecost and those things. No, 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 no. You're skipping over a bunch of good stuff. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was alive and active. An easy way to remember this is the, the Spirit's role in the Old Testament was God gave his Spirit to particular people, everybody say people, people, 
at particular times, everybody say times, for particular tasks. Everybody say tasks. God's spirit was given to particular people at particular times for particular tasks. Whether it was Moses or Gideon or Esther, God made them for certain tasks and certain times naturally supernatural. And then towards the end of the Old Testament, God does something incredible. Instead of just sending my spirit to particular people at particular times, he makes us this promise that he will soon send his spirit to all people. Not just these Bible heroes, but all of us. And that's exactly what he does. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. How cool is it that we're talking about the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, right? It is Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. The next thing you got to know, the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Acts chapter 2. So right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus has just come back from the dead and all the believers are together. And here's what we read. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, just like we are today. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, like our air conditioner up here, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the what? The Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. So what you may not know, today is Pentecost, penta meaning 50 days after the Passover. And so these followers of Jesus are literally set on fire. And there's that violent wind, again, that comes through the same spirit that was hovering over the waters in the beginning. And after this happens, people are amazed. All these people are talking in different languages. You think the Bible's not humorous, right? We talked about this last week. All the other people are standing around going, are these people drunk? It's 9.15 in the morning. No, they can't be drunk, right? So something supernatural must be going on here. Peter stands up and starts to preach. And this is what Peter reminds them of the prophecy of Joel in the Old Testament where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, men and women, young and old. And so what we discover about what's happening here is that now because of what God's done on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Who's it for? Everyone. everyone. And that includes you. We live in a culture that likes to draw up lines and divide and say, you're like this and you're like this. And we particularly do this in the church. And, and depending on what denomination you're, you're from, some people, well, they can be filled up with the Holy Spirit, but you're not really one of us, so you can't be. And at Pentecost, God just blew, blew the doors off the place and said, everybody is welcome. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. We particularly do this with what we call professional Christians, and you may call them pastors or clergy or reverend or father. And I love it. I'm fine that you call me that. You can call me anything you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. But here's the trouble. I go to functions, I go to weddings, I go to different things, and people always say, oh, oh Pastor John, why don't you pray? I, I kind of go back to the story in Pentecost, and I read, young and old, men and women, slave or free, you know, anybody, ethnicity, background. I don't see anything like just pastors have access to the Holy Spirit. It's for everybody. And so... Like, I gladly accept, and yes, that's pastor, that's part of my role. I, I know it's a sign of respect, but you know what I really want to do? 
when people come up to me and say, you need to pray for me because you're the pastor, I just want to look you in the eyes and I want to say, do you know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you, just as it does in me? And we will never be able to fully live into our call as the body of Christ if me and Andy are the only ones with the magic dust. There's no magic. It's called the power of God, and it lives in you. And you know what I think God says to you in those moments when you think, oh, I can't, I'm just an ordinary Christian. I can't really pray. You know what I think God says to you? I think he says, I love it when you pray. I love it when you're all alone and you're lonely in your house and you don't know what to say, and the only prayer you can come up with is help. Or I don't know, God. I'm really struggling with this, and I'm so desperate for your spirit. You don't, you're, you're no different than me. I'm no different from you. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all of us. That's why we don't have a prayer team. You are the prayer team. You're it. All of us have been filled with the same Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit? It's God. It's a person. Secondly, you might be wondering, where is the Holy Spirit? Where is it, right? Where's the, where's the wind? Everywhere, right? So there's two parts to this. Where's the Holy Spirit? Number one, it's everywhere. It's all around us. And number two, it's in here. It's in our heart. Two places. It's everywhere and it's in us. I love this passage that Brianne read for us in our scripture reading for today. David is speaking about God's presence and he says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down the stage left aisle, you are there. If I cross over in between people that are hopefully not sleeping during my sermon, you are there. You're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, you are there. Even your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even if I start wandering around Hubble and I wander around and I go in the cafeteria, you are there. If I wander outside, you're there. Oh, hey, everybody. Um, where can I go from your presence? You can go anywhere, and if, if that's the case, if I can wander to the far side of the heavens, David said, do you think that God's Spirit's with you in your car when you're driving to work? Do you think that God's Spirit is around your family dinner table when you can't get the kids to calm down? Oh, yeah. If God's Spirit is as vast and wide as the heavens, do you think that God's Holy Spirit is right in the middle of the arguments that you have sometimes with your spouse? Do you think that God's Spirit is with you when you're alone again on a Friday night and you're thinking, does anybody understand what I'm going through? God's Spirit is right there. Another word for the Holy Spirit in Scripture is counselor. Almost like a guide, somebody that just walks right beside you. And if that's the case, have you ever thought about asking the Holy Spirit for his opinion? You have a big decision to make. You're struggling with something. You say, oh, I'll figure it out on my own. Okay, that's American. That's not biblical. Okay? Not making a political statement. I'm just saying, we can do it. No, we can't. We can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. We got nothing without him. So it's out there. It's everywhere. But it's also in here. God's presence is with you all the time. Yes, the Spirit was there in the Old Testament with Jesus sending a Spirit. It's now in us, and it's something intimate and relational, and it's one-on-one. It's... Faith isn't just something to believe. It's someone to experience. And I dare you, I dare you 
to read the Bible, particularly the book of Acts, and you tell me that Christianity isn't something that you experience deep inside of your heart and in your soul. Some of you are living right here, and your only experience of God is an intellectual assent to say, I agree with these truths. And that is super important, and don't get me wrong. But Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. It moves us. We experience it. It transforms us. The Bible is not a list of exceptions. The Bible is a list of examples of what it looks like when ordinary people like you and I get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit change our lives. Amen? Amen. So don't say, well, that's just in the old book. Why couldn't it happen today? When you come to worship every week, do you expect God to change you? Or are you checking the box? Are you going through the motions? It's very similar to some people that have been a part of our Alpha program here at Hope, and we put together a short little video to capture their, what we call a hope story, as they experience for the very first time the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look. In 2006, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was searching for something, anything. I was someone who worried a lot. Um, I worried about the things that I couldn't control. Well, my husband Blake and I were really looking forward to the Holy Spirit retreat at Alpha. You hear all these great stories about, about what happens at Alpha. It took uh, pushing from my boss at the time to come to Hope and to test Alpha out. So what I did was I went to the Holy Spirit retreat. Not quite sure how you received the Holy Spirit. I just prayed to, to the Holy Spirit, you know, fill me up. I just felt a, a rush of warmth, almost like someone was holding me and, and hugging me. And I had two people praying for me and they had, they laid their hands on me. I felt this sense of just a sense of warmth coming from my feet all the way to my fingertips. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I made that up in my mind, you know, what happened there. And, and I just started feeling just weightless. I'm being picked up and kind of being hugged. I just didn't want it to stop. We hadn't really talked during prayer time. We were walking back to our small group and uh, I couldn't wait to talk to him about it. And so I said, uh, hey, uh, did, you, uh, did you feel anything? And he was like, well, Kinda, I think so. And I couldn't wait to tell him. I was like, I felt like I was lifted up and hugged. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, I needed to get out of my own way. God was trying to tell me, you know, it wasn't in your head. It wasn't, you know, something that you were making up. I'm here. I'm real. And he was like, that's exactly what I felt too. I was just speechless. I just couldn't believe that he felt the exact same thing that I did. The Holy Spirit and God gets a hold of you and you don't know when or how or why it happens, he just does. But once you experience that fulfillment, you don't ever want to go back. I can still remember the way that it feels right now, um, and I don't ever want to forget that feeling. Well, I still look back on it, it's like, it just felt so comfortable and so familiar. The Lord took away all of my worries that day, and, and the relationship that I've been able to build with the Lord, I, you know, I've always gone to church my entire life, but but I never had that that personal relationship with with the Lord. And after the Holy Spirit retreat, 
I now can see him working in my life. Being diagnosed with cancer at 28, you look around at your life and you think, there has to be more than this. There has to be. I think it took the cancer diagnosis to get me um, to realize that God is really what I needed in my life. Instead of turning to what I knew to suppress the pain, I actually turned to God. And that made my relationship with Him grow so much deeper um, in the valleys. Turn to God and He'll walk right next to you through them. And that's what He did with me and I'm forever grateful. You know what it sounds like to me? Naturally supernatural. Regular people, these aren't actors, regular people like you and I who finally said, okay, it's time. It's time to let go. We love to control things in our lives, don't we? And God comes along and says, you'll never be able to control my Holy Spirit. We love to control things. And, and you heard them say different feelings and emotions that went along with it. And it's so important that we don't get legalistic again. And we don't go down that path or that ditch. And we say, well, if I don't feel this warm, tingly feeling, then maybe God's not real. Remember, who's going to try to gather up that wind for us? You can't control it. And so what exactly does the Holy Spirit do? A couple things I want to highlight for you. First of all, in that story in Acts, after everybody is speaking do you ever wonder like when all the different languages what were they speaking about i've read this story a thousand times and i don't know how i've missed this <laughs> but verse 11 it says this we hear them declaring the wonders of god number one thing that the spirit brings passion passion for jesus and his mission you ever thought about what are you passionate about you don't have to yell it out just think about that when you lay awake at night when, when, when you're daydreaming, if you had a free day all to, ourself, all to yourself, what would you do? What are you passionate about? Even if it doesn't seem spiritual, just think about that. When you get filled up by the Holy Spirit, no matter all the different things you're passionate about, the number one thing that you become passionate about is Jesus Christ and his church and the people that he loves. Of all those things, Jesus says, when you get filled up with my spirit, you're going to ooze and you're going to overflow with passion for one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. And you're, you're all in. You know what I love about being the church here with you? Multiple times throughout our six years here, I've had people come up to me on their very first Sunday. I don't even know them. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the band. It has nothing to do with the donut holes. Maybe. I don't know. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. And I have people come up to me after worship at their very first time here and they say, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm all in, Pastor John. What do you need me to do? <laughs> Who says that? Who walks into a random elementary school gym on a Sunday morning? Something happens inside of them and they say, that's it. Nothing else in my life can compare to knowing Jesus Christ. I'm all in. What do you need me to do? <laughs> I love those kind of people. I love those experiences because it has nothing to do with me because I'm just not that good. And neither are they and neither are you. It's a good thing that we have a great God. What do you need me to do? I, I, I'm, I'm all in. And, and, and I love being the church because people say, I'm like, what happened? And, and the people that come up to me, they say, today I got the nudge. No, no, no. It's not, not really just a nudge. It's like a, 
It's almost like Jesus put his hand right in my back and he said, today's the day. It's time. Stop playing it safe. Stop living, just, just kind of going through the motions. Living it safe. Today's the day. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what happens. Worship moves from a got to to a get to. You don't have to think about inviting people. It's just who you are. Why would I not invite everybody that I know? You don't have to think about, you don't have to think about sharing your faith. You don't have to think about serving. It's naturally supernatural. There was a study done in the the natural church development and they studied thousands of churches and they came up with 13 characteristics across all churches. What makes a church grow? You want to be a part of an amazing church? Here's the number one characteristic across thousands of churches across the world. You know what it is? Passion. The people in the church have passion and they're meeting in underground tunnels and they're meeting in great cathedrals and it has nothing to do with the lights and the sound and the video or any of those things. It has nothing to do with that. Yes, God can work through those. The number one thing that makes a church grow is passionate followers of Jesus sitting in those seats and then leaving the building and going to be the church. That's what happens. And people come here every single week and maybe you're here today and you're visiting and you're wondering, is this just a show People are coming here and they're wondering, I'm looking around at all these people and I'm wondering, is it real for you? Or are you just here because it's a good religious thing to do? Is it real? So the Spirit brings passion. The Spirit brings freedom. 2 Corinthians says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I love watching some of you worship this morning. Some of you have no issue raising your hands. Remember, it's not about this. It's about what's going on in here. And if this is an extension of this, and it's real, and it's true, then it's good. But if standing there like this with your eyes closed is an extension of this, it's real, it's good, and it's true, right? But here's what I want to make sure you know. Hope Des Moines should be the safest place that you've ever been safest. Meaning if you want to stand there like this and just soak it in, do it. If you want to dance in the aisles, do it. And none of us should look at you and say, don't be a Pharisee. We don't need, we don't need police running around. Okay. Let them do it. It's freedom in worship. Among the many other things, the spirit brings gifts. And last but not least, the spirit brings power. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will receive power. If you've ever been around Hope Des Moines for any length of time, you hear us always talking about, we want to impact the city. We want to change Des Moines for good. If we left tomorrow, would people weep that the church is gone? And I, Yes, I hope so. And some people have come up to me in our six years and they've said, Oh, John, don't you think you're going a little bit overboard? You want to reach the whole city? You want to serve people? You want to partner with other churches that aren't in the same denomination as you? <gasps> right? You, you want to reach out to the world around you and you want, you want to change the city? You want to see marriages change? You want to see lives change? Don't you think that's going a little overboard? I think you just need to tone it down a little bit. How can I tone it down when this is the story? How can I tone it down when this is what we're called to live? And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us and is here today. How could we ever tone it down? Never. Because it's not about us. It's about him and his power. 
And so we started today by asking a simple question, is it in you? Not Gatorade, but is it in you? When Jesus was filled up by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, the word baptize is from the Greek word baptizo, and it literally means to submerse or emerge or immerse, like immersion. And I was thinking about this today, and some of you are asking, okay, this is all great. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? How do I get filled up? And this is what Jesus is offering to us. This is what God the Father is offering to us today. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you know how to good give, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You just ask him for it. And he would love to give, give you, pour out his Spirit upon you this morning. Some of you are saying, I kind of feel more like the sponge this morning. I'm just kind of dry and empty and I'm feeling disconnected from God. Did anybody see the rain yesterday? Did anybody stand out in the rain like I did? So Caleb and I, my one-year-old son, are standing out there and we're just drenched and we're jumping in puddles. We're not running away from it. We're receiving it. We're absolutely soaked. Just bring it on, God. I want all of it. And that's our prayer today, that instead of being some dry, dried-up sponge, that we would be immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit and that we would so overflow that this would just be dripping out of us, that streams of living water would flow from us and then we could share it with the world around us. Now you're awake. Be immersed, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, stand out in the rain and receive it. <laughs>